0: Uh, if you were not here with us last weekend, uh, this series, I Am His Story, is kind of unique uh, because it's going to feature uh, friends from the St. Peter family. Uh, who are going to share uh, how God has been present and active in their lives? And last weekend, Pastor Randy and Angie, uh, you may recall, uh, shared some of Angie's story, which include, uh, we just talked about the highs and the lows. And for Angie, some of the lows were pretty low, whether it was uh, through an accident where her life was nearly lost, she was run over by a vehicle. And dragged for 20 some feet, uh, or whether it threw us through uh, challenges with abuse, uh, whether physical abuse or substance abuse, but how God has been faithful uh, in and through her story. Uh, in fact, uh, Pastor Randy and Angie are in uh, Michigan today, uh, and they're packing up her parents' uh, house and possessions and then moving them in uh, to their own home. Uh, and so there's kind of a full circle uh, story of redemption for uh, Team Roselle and the Bickle family on Angie's side as well. So uh, hopefully they dodge the weather on the way out of Chicago and will be safe on the way home uh, driving in tomorrow. Um, throughout the story, we've been inviting you to, uh, uh, to hear these stories in, a, in an intentional, uh, reflective way. And you can do that by using uh, questions like these uh, to have in the back of your mind, whether you're listening to uh, a friend story, like we're going to hear today from Team Picciotti, or to stories in Scripture. And we're going to go to one here in just a moment, briefly, from Daniel chapter 6. So you can be asking the questions, uh, how do you connect with what's going on in the story? Um, uh, maybe there's uh, a similarity, or maybe even a difference that you'll note that will grab your attention. Or where have you seen God's faithfulness in your own story? Uh, maybe hearing of someone else's struggle or a challenge in their life will help you reflect on how God has been faithful and present and has guided and protected and preserved you. And then a third question, and we'll come back to these a little bit later on in our here and practice questions. How can you use your own story as a platform for God's glory, uh, for your own personal growth, or for the encouragement of others? Right? These are some tools that you can use Uh, whether in our series in these six weeks in January and February, or just on an ongoing basis as you're learning to engage with others uh, in their journey of faith. Uh, For our biblical story today, we're taking a look at the story of Daniel. Uh, Daniel uh, is a book in the Old Testament. Uh, It's also a character Uh, that had a really remarkable journey. Just real quick, let me summarize uh, Daniel's story. Uh, He uh, started out in Jerusalem and in Judea uh, right before Babylon, the ancient mighty nation of Babylon, came in and laid waste to the city of Jerusalem, what was left of the nation of Israel uh, that had been built during the time of David and Solomon. Uh, Daniel, along with some of the other brightest and best from the nation of Israel, was taken off into exile in the ancient city of Babylon, but the way the Babylonians approached their conquest was kind of unique. They would take the brightest and the best, and instead of throwing them into prison, uh, instead of executing them, they would try to... invite them into their own culture and way of life and they would try to wine and dine them you might say and try to uh, invite them to become part of the Babylonian culture. For Daniel along with three others we know of as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that was the Babylonian names that were given to them what that meant was they were given the best of food they were uh, shown uh, lavish and abundant life in the king's palaces Uh, But they remained faithful to their faith and their identity as God's children. For Daniel, in chapter 6, what that led to was a very intentional, covert effort by some of those who were threatened by Daniel uh, to try to convince the king at that time, no longer the Babylonian king, that empire was fading, but the king of uh, the Mede and Persian empires, Darius... To create a law that prohibited a prayer to any other foreign god. And so they knew that Daniel was a man who was faithful in prayer and who'd pray morning, noon, and night to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so King Darius unwittingly wrote a law that said if you prayed to this God, uh, your life was forfeit. And here's an interesting but important detail. In the Medo Persian Empire that followed Babylon, if a king issued a decree, it could not be changed or revoked even by the king himself. And so when they brought to the king Darius the accusation that Daniel was praying to this God of Israel, uh, he was heartbroken, but he had to, by law, put Daniel to death. And he chose to do so by throwing him into the lion's den. Now you probably know the story. Lee just read it a moment ago. What happened was God was in Daniel's story. And so he shut the mouths of the lions. Daniel spent the whole night down down there. Maybe he was petting the kittens. I don't know. Maybe they kept to their other side of the dens, right? But he emerged in the morning unharmed and unscathed. And the King Darius was rejoicing when he was able to bring Daniel out of the lion's den. And in his joy, then, this is what King Darius went on to do. He wrote to all the people and all the nations and languages that dwell on the earth, right? Darius was an influential man, the world's greatest superpower of that time. And here's what he wrote. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Right? Now, it's remarkable. Uh, we don't know much else about Darius. We know he's a very real historical individual. Uh, that's without question. We don't know if he had saving faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Daniel. But he knew enough, at least, to be able to show tremendous respect and admiration. And he was, and he was attentive enough to what God was present and doing for God to work in and through him. He, wrote, he went on to write this about this God of Daniel. He is the living God, enduring forever forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. Now again, keep in mind, this is the leader of the greatest superpower on the planet at that time, as far as we know, and he is saying the God of Daniel is far greater than any human king and any human kingdom. And he adds this, he delivers and he rescues, he works signs and wonders in heaven And on earth, he who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. What I love about this uh, story is how it depicts what is said again and again in Scripture. Here's one more example from Psalm 138 All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. You see, God reigns supreme over every situation here on the planet, right? And he works for the good of all those whom he draws to himself, and that includes every one of you who is here today, whether here in the room or joining us from home, whether on the live stream or later on demand. God is using, and he's willing to use whatever he can, right? Scripture says even the rocks and the donkeys, right? Uh, It doesn't have to be a willing human, but he likes to work through us in particular, to bring good news uh, that leads to a changed life that results also in eternal life. I'm going to invite John and Amy forward now, because what they're going to do in these next moments is share how God used some pretty remarkable people and circumstances to bring them into a new and saving relationship with Jesus. Um, John and Amy have been willing to come to all of our services, even on this frigid weekend, so could you give them a more St. Peter welcome? (laughs) For sharing their story not as good
1: sure, every service we add a little bit more so you're in for a nice yeah. get settled in get comfy <laughs> just kidding <laughs> that's right we've got it down uh, so as pastor said we're going to be sharing our story they uh, pastor asked us to share our faith story and for for many people your faith story might be that you've always had faith grew up in a Christian home, always going to church, always knowing Jesus, and that was not the case for me or for John. We we didn't grow up uh, in a Christian home with a strong faith tradition, and so our faith story really is more of a kind of before and after type of story, and yet through all of that, as you'll see, God was present and working um, all of that time throughout our lives. So my story uh, begins that I was, uh, I grew up in New Jersey, and I was raised in uh, a family that was Catholic, but pretty loosely Catholic, I would say. And so to illustrate that, uh, one story is that we had lived in our house for about three months, and my dad's mom came to visit, and she was very, very devout Catholic, my Bubba uh, Capri. And so she came to visit us, and on Sunday morning she said, well, it's, you know, when are we going to Mass? We, better, we should probably get going soon. And my parents kind of panicked because they had not been to church in the three months since we lived there. So there was no getting around that. So my dad said, okay, let's go. And we all got in the car and he just drove around aimlessly thinking there has to be a church here somewhere, a Catholic church, got to be. And he just drove around until he found St. Bartholomew and that was our church. And that just gives you an idea of... Uh, the <laughs> the attitude toward toward church so we would go sometimes uh, not very regularly and I enjoyed it when I was there. I loved the singing and the beauty of the church but i I had no teaching or anything that was ever explained to me and and I felt you know it was a, a reverent place but yet God felt very distant and I didn't see any connection to my life uh, later we in my life we moved to To Illinois right before I started high school and that same grandma was really pressing me and my parents to have me confirmed in the Catholic Church and at that point I said you know I I really feel that that's kind of insincere I I barely go to church I don't really understand it or I don't even know if I believe it so I I declined to do that and that really was sort of the end of any church for me and so all through high school I had no um, Real no contact with god on my end and then i went to college and it's kind of like uh pastor described and, and our bible verse described today because it was you think of daniel and the babylonians i was just going into a place and a culture that really just wanted to teach you their culture it was a very very liberal college and it seemed that the whole philosophy was just to quash any kind of faith that students might have had uh, religion was constantly criticized from from the professors and the lectures, anyone who criticized God was actually praised in class for a good job. It was a very um, just, <laughs> and I I came in there, unlike Daniel, um, who was able to weather that. Uh, I had no faith going into that. And so um, because I was a good student, I respected my professors, uh, and I, I really was drawn into that way of thinking and so by the time I left college I was not only an unbeliever but my heart was really hardened toward God and so uh, even though I felt like I was done with God though he was not finished with me so uh, a couple of years after college I was in graduate school and I was finishing up some coursework and so I had a job as a at a temp agency where they would just you, you fill in every week at a different place, you know filling in for someone's vacation leave. And one of the places they placed me was in a church as a chur- uh, filling in for the church secretary. And it was a little Lutheran church and you know I, I felt a little awkward going in there, but you know, I wanted to do my job and, and the pastor and his wife, who were always there, always very quiet during the day, uh, were very, very kind. And I, I know that they knew or they must have known what they had, there in their church was someone who had no background at all. And so they very um, kindly and patiently would would explain things to me, but only just as it came up. They never tried to push anything on me. If I was typing up bulletins, and I would say, how many bulletins do we need for Mass? (laughs) And they'd say, well, well, we don't, they'd say, and we don't call it Mass, that's, you know, the Catholic Church calls it that. And I said, well, what's the difference? I didn't know there's any difference between any church so they were able to give me some very basic background but in a way that was um very just genuine and i was so impressed by their their kindness and sincerity that my heart had begun to soften to ideas of faith Um, then again i worked at another company where my team uh, had many christians and we had some great conversations and and so i decided it was time for me to check things out for myself being an english major and a big reader i thought well, i'm going to get myself a bible and I'm gonna read it. And I was a pretty good reader. I could read a book in a day if I tried, but I thought, I'll just give myself a week and I'll get this done. I truly believed that in my my ignorance of the Bible. So I, I just thought it was like any novel you could read. So I you know, bought one, picked it up. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it was very quickly that I realized that the Bible was not an ordinary book. And the way I reacted to it, and my first thought was that, these words are alive. I'd never heard the Bible verse about God's word being living and active, but that was my impression. And I knew that I had to slow down and really take time to absorb what it was saying, read the notes. And uh, again, God was drawing me toward him. So I was on this kind of process of discovery um, sometime later. And I had a, a trip where I had a, about a two hour layover where I um, was waiting to go to the airport. And I was uh, in a big city. They had a great big bookstore so I spent my two hours in the bookstore and um, I went to the religion section because I say what else can I maybe find out and I distinctly remember being in this bookstore and it had a huge religion section but it had no I didn't there were no labels or categories I was just standing in front of a wall of books and I could just see myself right there and I reached out and just pulled what seemed to be just a random book off the shelf And then I opened it up to a random page. And what I read there was what made everything come together for me. And it was uh, about Martin Luther. I think the book was something about the history of Christianity. But this passage I came to talked about Martin Luther and his realization uh, revealed through his reading of Romans 117 about what our salvation is really based on and that verse says for in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed a righteousness that is by faith from first to last just as it is written the righteous will live by faith I realized that uh, God wanted to be in my life and that I needed a Savior but that salvation is by faith in Christ alone and it's his work and not ours that reconciles us to God and to quote the words of Martin Luther When I discovered that, I was born again of the Holy Ghost, and the doors of paradise swung open, and I walked through. Everything I'd ever heard or known about God came together, and I felt a joy in knowing that the God of the universe knew me, loved me, forgave me, and was a part of my life. He did the work, and coming to him wasn't about me having to do certain things or act in a certain way or say things a certain way. God intervened in my life, and the seeds of faith that had been planted all along the way began to grow. Um, I had struggled a lot with anxiety in college and and after. And anxiety is often about fear of the unknown or things that we can't control. Uh, But when I allowed God to, to be in control, when I accepted Jesus as the Lord of my life, that just broke those chains of anxiety, and I felt such a peace knowing that he holds my future in his hands, and he is a good and loving God. And I never struggled with um, anxiety after that time. So I started just going to church, taking Bible studies, doing everything I could to to learn more about Jesus um, after I had um, given my life to him. And I never looked back. I was baptized 20 years ago, and I'm thankful every day that God was patient with me through my journey ultimately i know my faith is from jesus his holy spirit drew me to him even through times when i was far from him he used other people to soften my heart he led me to a church where i could learn and grow and he also led me to meet and marry a godly man who you'll hear from in a minute Uh, but with both of us not growing up in a christian home uh, we we wanted to be sure to give our own children a strong foundation of faith and it was a little scary, you know, as parents, not having grown up with that, wanting to you know, know how to impart that to our kids. We are so, so grateful that God led us to St. Peter, and this truly became our faith family. And we're so thankful for the pastors and teachers and staff and church members who have been mentors and friends to us along the way. Um, you truly have been a huge, huge part of our faith journey. Uh, our faith is personal to us, and no one but God can give that to us, but God uses others in our lives to nurture and grow our faith, and we're so grateful um, for everyone who's helped us in our walk, and so John will share his story.
2: All right. Thanks, Anne. Um You know, A- Amy is an avid reader. I like to read, too, but the books I like to read have bigger words and more pictures, um, and then, you know, you're wondering, I-, I went to the University of Illinois, and um, you're wondering where Amy went, she was a godless Wisconsin Badger, so just in case, <laughs> in case you needed to know. Um, all right, so I, I grew up uh, west side of Chicago. I was, I was adopted, and uh, my, my folks, uh, John and Amy Picciotti, you know, John and Amy, that's us. I've been doing this too often. Um, thanks. This is like our house, hon, this is, oh, thanks honey, this is the right answer. Um, but um, but I, was, I was adopted, and my mom would always say, you were chosen, and she'd always say chosen, and, and that always gave me a sense of purpose, even as, as a child. And uh, so, you know, grew up in, in Chicago, and then uh, moved out to Park Ridge when uh, I was about sixth grade and I was at Maine East High School, and it was my, my sophomore year in high school. I, I played football, baseball, I, you know, you know, we'd go to church, maybe dad worked in uh, residential real estate, so he was never around on Sundays. So we'd go in and out, faith life wasn't really priority. And I started, I was living pretty fast and loose uh, back in those days. And um, so my sophomore year, a very dear friend of mine uh, was going down to uh, on spring break on a trip and she was killed in a, in a car accident. And it just really shook my world that someone this close to me and this young uh, had, had died. Uh, but her friends were involved with a group called uh, Campus Life was Youth for Christ. And they invited uh, me and, and my uh, wild and woolly group of friends to go to this memorial service for Linda. And I remember for the first time, the Dave Veerman was his name, he was up front sharing from the scriptures in a way that was really relevant to me as a teen. And by God's grace, it immediately connected with me. I was like, well, wow, this, is, this is really good and I'm coming back. And we came back and we went to the Young Life meetings and that summer they had a summer camp. So I was able to hear the gospel um, in a week at camp from, you know, God loves me, but I'm a sinner. And I'm separated from God. But Jesus came and he took my sin so that I might be reconciled with God. But it's a gift that I had to accept. And, you know, the, the scriptures, if you, Ephesians 2 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works that no one can boast. So I accepted that free gift of salvation. It was just—it was like walking through a door. Everything came together. I was like, yes, this, <laughs> this is right. This is good. This is true. And I, you know, I, I pursued my faith. I walked out afterward. And I'm walking around in the campgrounds, and my buddy Roger, who I went up with, played football with him. He said, "Where were you?" I said, "Ah, you know." And I, I just shared the, the gospel with him, and you know, everything I just went through, and I said. Uh, and you know you you can accept the gift of Christ too. Dave's in there still, and, and Roger went in, and he, you know, he he's still walking with faith to this day. So uh, so many years later, um, here we are. Fast forward to um, I was about five or six years out of college, and I was living in Oak Park. I was working downtown, and I'm waiting for the L to go downtown, and I I look and there's a kid with a mohawk and piercings, and you know I, I'm thinking to myself what a waste. Right? And the Lord's small, still voice said, well, do something about it. And long story short, I got involved as a leader with a group called Young Life. It's similar to Campus Life Youth for Christ that I was involved in in Oak Park and was working with these kids, and I just loved it. And God was using me in, in the lives of all these kids. And you know, after volunteering for about six years, I was in commercial real estate. Um, as a broker, and, you know, having a good year, really catching fire in the business, and it's, God started to tap me on the shoulder, and I was in a church service, and I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but I felt like I was the only one in the service, and that God was speaking directly to me, and the sermon series was on knowing God's will for your life, and it seemed that he was calling me to work full-time in Young Life Ministry, and, um, during that time, a broker I worked with invited me to a mission trip in the jungles of Peru in the Amazon, right? I'm thinking piranhas and everything's going to try and eat me there. And, um, and I said, yes. And when I was in the jungles, my big concern was about walking away from the money and the things that I, I guess, focused my whole life on. And uh, Addie, the wife of the missionary, said to me, she said, John, don't... Accept the good and pass up God's best for your life. And that got me thinking about things. And there was also a missionary out there, uh, uh, you might have heard this quote, Jim Elliott. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. So I decided, okay, Lord, um, I'm going to go full-time in ministry. I met with my pastor at the time, this guy from uh, Tupelo, Mississippi. And he was like, okay, John, just... No, no, not a commercial, just do it, just do it. I was like, all right, Pastor Ray, let's go. And um, I said, I'm 33 and I'm not married. And I feel uncomfortable going into this work, uh, not being married. And he said, John, pray that God raises up a godly woman for you. And he prayed this prayer uh, as we were parting right in front of the church. And it's about a month later. I'm standing after church. It was a beautiful, sunny, 75-degree day, a little about. (laughs) 90 degrees warmer than it is today, and um, blue skies, and I'm walking down, John Picciotti, some people call me Pick, my nickname's Pick, and uh, I heard, hey, Pick, and I looked up, and next to the guy who called out to me was this beautiful brunette with a halo and the sun (laughs) shining down on her, Um, but it it was Amy, and in the very spot that he prayed for me, God uh, raised up a a wife for me, and um, anyway... Uh, we've been married uh, 28 years now. Uh, we have been involved. So I, I went back into real estate, uh, you know, a while later, but we've been involved still with Young Life for 35 years. Um, you know, all of our kids have attended St. Peter from preschool through eighth grade. Uh, you, know, you know, we've been involved in Young Life all these years, too. So uh, the, the takeaway for me is I, I've had a front row seat to see that one God is sovereign. He's been sovereign in my life, and he knows what I need even before I do. Number two, God's loved me since I've been in my mother's womb, and he continues to show his love to this day. And, you know, I continue to trust him with my life and with my future.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, can we give thanks for John and Amy the story? Awesome. Uh, before we're done, I'm going to invite someone from the room to come up and pray over them, so you might start thinking about that. But before we do, I noticed a, a thread kind of woven throughout, and that is, again, how God can use anything and anyone, whether it's a random book on a shelf or for you, uh, John, uh, the death of a friend you know that, that caught you by surprise, Linda. Uh, but especially he uses the, the voices of women and men that he places in your lives to kind of nurture and nudge and point you towards him. So as you think about who's in the room and maybe joining us from home, uh, what can they be thinking about when it comes to their voice in the lives of people who are in their life who are maybe close to them but far from Jesus? What kind of word would you want to give them?
1: I think for me and my story, I mean, there was unfortunately a time where I just had a very hard heart toward God and I think if if someone had really been in my face about it I would have been not been receptive but the um, meeting Christians who were kind and who were patient and who just sort of allowed me to ask questions um, really helped to soften my heart. They may not have been the person to Tell me everything i needed to know but they they nudged me one step further and they helped kind of till the soil uh, of my heart like in the parable of the sower so Mm -hmm. um really christians just being uh, you know i i really had grown up too thinking you know especially through high school and college well christians are judgmental and um you know whatever i had a, a pretty a negative view in a lot of ways um, so I, I think just breaking that stereotype mm-hmm. and and just having just being authentic and and relating to people where they are um, was was a really important part of my journey.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah. Uh, tagging on to that, um, nobody knows how nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. You know, the Lord says, "Love your neighbor, you know, as yourself," and. You share your story. I think sometimes as Christians, we think that, you know, I I need to share the gospel all the way through and then lead somebody to Christ and pray with them there. That's God's work. Uh, The Spirit will change people's hearts, as you've heard from us here. And our responsibility is to love people, but also tell our story. This is our story. and You all have your stories. So people, you know, it's easy to have a conversation. I could share What I share with you, with with anybody or anybody who knows Christ or doesn't, but it's my story. And most people are receptive to that. And then you love them and then let God do his thing. And if he calls me further to sit down and share a book or talk
0: more, then... Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing is it's never forced. um, It's never scripted necessarily, but it's women and men, girls and boys like you, being willing to be used by God, especially through the relationships he already has you in uh, with those who are close to you but far from Jesus. And then when the Spirit's Ready and, and the opportunity is right, he'll do his work. So awesome. Is someone willing to come up and pray uh, over John and Amy before we move on with our service? Okay, Steve and Jill, come on up. Awesome. Thanks, Lee. Come on up. Yeah, come on up, dude. Let's pray.
3: Uh, we thank you, Lord, for John. And Amy, we thank you for never forsaking them. For, thank you for this testimony of their faith journey, Lord. We know that you will never forsake us, you will never leave us. You have a plan for our life from the very beginning. You were with them, you put people in their lives and you brought them to this point in their lives. We thank you for all the service that they've given to you, Lord. With uh, Young Life, we thank you for their missions in um developing young people and uh being with them on their uh faith journey also we thank you for their children uh johnny luke and grace for uh the legacy they will probably carry on from their um, testimony and their are uh, leading a wonderful christian life we thank you amy for your service as a wonderful teacher here at st peter for many years uh, lord we just ask you to may they continue to boldly share their faith in um, any area of their lives to bring light in this dark world uh, to many people and uh, to continue this uh, sharing of their faith.
2: Thank you Lord for John and Amy and, and it so clear to us, when we hear these stories, and John referred to it in his testimony,
0: you knew us before we were born. You knew us before we were conceived. You had a plan for each of
2: us. And may all of us go boldly forth and have your strength, your energy, Christ, in our lives, Have your spirit be with us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.